dopamine swipe, dopamine, dopamine swipe. Follow us, likes, double tap. What is going on, beautiful people? Welcome back to the 817 Podcast, where we talk about the lovely city of Fort Worth, Texas. We get into politics, culture, business, uh, any news that impacts you as a Fort Worthian. We discuss it. We go into Tarrant County. We talk about Texas and just overall perspectives of everything going on in this country. I bet you missed both me and Ann Zeta as we've been out for over a month. I hope all of you have had a great holiday and new year. And how goes it? It goes very well. I'm glad to be back. I actually missed the routine of doing this podcast every week. I wish I could say the same, that I that I missed it. But you know what? It doesn't mean I don't miss it because I, I was in Japan for a month. It was almost like a new reality. So it was like, I just forgot that I existed in Fort Worth. Oh. Once you go back to Japan for 21 over 21 days, you create a new habit. I was just like, oh yeah, I could see me living in Japan now. Well, my husband will tell you that I could... I could quote unquote see myself living everywhere we go. And every time I say, Ooh, I like this city, he's like, You like all the cities that we go to and you're not leaving. So why do you keep saying that? Japan was cool. It's way different than Texas uh, or America or even Fort Worth. A um, lot of pros, a lot of cons. Um, yeah, I saw you great. sent me a picture of some trains. Yes. Like train stations yeah. and you on a train. Yes. Uh, the One of the best human inventions was Tokyo's public transportation system. I think you said something about you saw this huge swath of rails with all these trains on yes. them. And it reminded you of the huge swath of rails that go by Central Station. Only we only have two of those rails doing people transit yeah. and the rest of it's freight whereas mm-hmm. in Japan it was like all people moving. Yeah, honestly that was the cra- a crazy a scene looking being on a bridge and seeing all the rail and it reminded me of all that rail right there right across the street from Tai Terrace. Oh, kind of that off area. Of yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And seeing that I'm like, man, this kind of looks the same but there was humans moving uh rather than freight. Yeah, so. that definitely is freight over there. Yeah, the yeah. UP uh yard. <laughs> Um, but it was great, and uh, but glad to be back. Um, a lot to discuss. How was your trip? I heard it got cut short. It did. That was a little disappointing. Um, we went out to California to see my mom and my kids and my brother, and my brother and his family were ill, so they didn't end up coming to my mom's. And then Christmas morning, I woke up sick. Mm. And so we were you know, staying at my mom's place, which a lot of seniors live there, and my husband and I just decided it wasn't COVID. I tested for COVID. I probably had the flu. I didn't get a test for it, but it seemed very flu-like in its symptoms. So it was very early. I just masked up and we flew home like the 26th. And yeah. he didn't get sick, so I don't think I got anybody else sick because he was closer to me than anybody else was. <laughs> and I literally had a mask on the entire time flying home. And I got I felt pretty crummy the night we landed Um, We took the train back to Fort Worth uh, TMP station and um, and then I was sick for, you know, a couple of weeks, not not full on sick the whole two weeks, but just still I'm still kind of getting my energy back from all of that. So that was like a disappointing end to 2023. And we were just discussing before we started recording about how social media can make you feel pretty crappy about your plans for yeah. the new year when everybody's just going on and on about yeah, all Janu- of their January plans. Yeah, January is always a hype train. Like everyone's going to be the next Hercule- Hercules or or mighty person with whatever workout they're going to do or business content they're going to create. And that was really weird because I landed back January 
whenever Monday snow apocalypse was, and I thought I landed in, you know, Iceland or something, but I, I landed and just looking at my social media, cause I stayed pretty off of social media while I was in Japan and all the like, just American, like achievement, go get it, be the best you can be. Um, definitely felt that on social media as well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm start. I'm getting a slow start to my new year, and and we're already almost done with January. I know <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> it's wild. Um, so we we're, we have a lot lined up for this episode, of course, because we've been gone. Yeah, we and sent each other articles the entire time that you were true. gone, and we were trying to figure out how far back we should go. And I feel like you were sending. Stories. You were sending. Okay, I was. Pre- yeah, I you're was right. pretty. You were quiet. on vacation. You really <laughs> did. You you went on vacation, and that's true. It was mainly me sending articles. But the last weekend, I just stayed home reading all the articles and catching <laughs> up, and so I feel prepared and have a lot to say. Um, so how this works. For any random person who could be, this is your first episode ever listening, we do three short stories, one big story, and then our wins and losses for the week. Uh, We have a lot to talk about uh, this episode, Um, and so we're going to go ahead and dive in with the obvious front-facing news that happened um, in Fort Worth that even got national attention, and that was the explosion at historic Fort Worth Hotel, where 21 were injured. Um, 21 people were injured Monday as a result of a gas explosion at the historic downtown Fort Worth hotel. Uh, the call came in at 3:32 PM. Uh, what did you know? You were the one here actually, uh, when the Sandman hotel, I guess exploded. Uh, what was your overall take? I know you were probably like, what's going on. What's so happening? I think I saw it on, I'm going to call it Twitter cause I refuse to say X, but anyway, <laughs> I saw it on Twitter pretty early and, um, I was not downtown, but I have a colleague that was talking to someone who was in City Hall. And so they sent me the Twitter thing and said, um, hey, this just happened. They don't know what it is. And so I went looking for information and then realized that my husband was downtown at Texas A&M Law School teaching. So I texted him to find out you know, where he was. And he was fine, but he was uh, in the process of evacuating the building because he said that the students were being told to leave downtown. So um, I then, of course, contacted all of my family that's out of state because I didn't want it to show up on the news and have them wondering if I was okay. Um, So I called my dad and my mom and they both were hadn't heard anything. They were both actually out on walks. My (laughs) 80-something-year-old parents were both out walking um, separate from each other. And they were both like, okay. And then later in the day, my stepmother texted me and was like, are you okay? And I said, well, I texted, I, I talked to dad and she said, well, he could have told me. <laughs> so, um, there was just a lot of that and yeah, yeah. checking in with people. And I just, the first thing that I thought was surely it would be a lot worse as far as, I mean, it's terrible for the folks that were yeah. impacted by it clearly. Um, but the fact that there wasn't immediately yeah. more people, severely severely injured and even death and yeah. i don't know what the condition is of the person who was the most severely injured that's i think still in the hospital in dallas um, and i think that's still a critical situation so for that family i'm sure that any you know making it seem like it wasn't a big deal is probably offensive yeah yeah that there was a karen um lopez um was at the epicenter of the blast and was the most seriously injured of the 21 people hurt in the gas-related explosion, according to the suit. Um, she is suing. So she was an employee working in the kitchen um, at the Museum restaurant located in the basement. Um, 
basically um, is fighting for her life. It seems like yeah, uh, medically induced coma. Yeah, she's a mother of young children, and yeah. and I think her husband was also an employee of the Correct. restaurant. Yep. Uh, and 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 so with so she is seems like so there's a couple people out there suing, but this seems like one of the more main people suing. It's a 177 million lawsuit. She's suing a lot of different parts, the property, the Atmos. Uh, but I think the the part here that's interesting of the su- the the suing kind of situation is that it sounds like she told the owners and the pe- or like her boss or managers, you know, hours the explosion like, hey, something's up. Uh, the smelling the, of gas. Yeah, yeah. I think there'd been. I had heard that there had been reports shortly before it, yeah. but I hadn't heard that far yeah. ahead of. And it seems like she is saying that. Um, because of, you know, so because of that, no, there was no, like, we need to leave now. They just back to business. I don't know, again, too much of that piece as that's being broke out. I saw Atmos also made a statement. Yeah, they indicated that it wasn't any of their um, lines that was the cause. So Yeah, Atmos Energy said uh, on January 12th, the internal investigation found no evidence and system was responsible for the explosion. The gas company is responsible for lines outside the hotel the Fort Worth Fire Department has said its investigation is now focused on inside where legal experts say the property owner generally would be liable for any defects. Um, Salmon Hotel opened in spring of 2023. So a newer hotel. And after a multi-million dollar renovation of the former office building, the basement level restaurant opened last July. Yeah, it's a new hotel, but it's in a historic building. Yeah. And the building is over 100 years old, is my understanding, which I thought that was another interesting thing just from looking at construction a hundred years ago and construction today because can you imagine an explosion like that happening in new construction because i don't think that the building would still be standing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um there's a lot of steel i think in the and i know a lot of um in the suit and 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 the um attacks at atmos is around the uh, cast iron um that we use for piping and how there's been a call to replace those Cast iron pipes, cast iron pipes are incredibly dangerous as they're vulnerable to corrosion, cracks, and other dangers, which uh, led to uh, gas leaks. This is what the suit says. Um, the government has urged Atmos to replace all cast iron pipelines, according to the suit. Um, so it seems like that's an angle they're also taking. They've been totally doing that in neighborhoods because they replaced all the cast iron in our neighborhood and they moved the meters from the back of the properties to the front of the properties. So that's a concerted thing that they and many neighborhoods throughout District 9 have had that. And I know it's probably citywide as well. Well, I think what what's interesting is what this like to me, what does this mean for Fort Worth? Granted, it was an explosion. Um, no one was um, everyone stable a couple injured, but I think the symbolization of what this can mean to downtown Fort Worth is it's showing that there's a new normal to downtown uh, renovations, right? We no longer need office space. We need more residential. And so what does this showcase as we look to take more old office space buildings and what do we need to start thinking about when we look at moderating, modern, modernizing old office spaces to be equipped and ready for living spaces. Um, that to me is like the symbol of something like this is like, this isn't just, 
oh, we're going to take old office spaces and now people can live in them. You yeah, know, it's it, very yeah, much yeah. not that easy. Yeah, so <laughs> I mean, I, you've got to add a lot of things that an office doesn't have when you have people living. That's a lot of plumbing. That's a yeah. lot of, you know, kitchen. That's a lot of things that are not in office buildings. Yeah. So it's and, definitely and, more yeah. complicated. And as much, I mean, I love adaptive reuse. I think that we should try to not put whole buildings into landfills um, and that we should adaptively reuse them. I know there's also been a couple of more other incidences in downtown since this happened of gas leaks. And, you know, I think everybody is, there's a heightened sense of awareness about this and hopefully um, a very, um, an eye towards safety and, and making sure that, that this doesn't happen again. Yeah. So obviously this is going to be an ongoing um, kind of story until they kind of figure out what happened. Uh, but yeah, so we definitely uh, got started in 2024 with a bang here in Fort Worth and uh, hopefully everyone is able to uh, prosper and families are able to transition and get some type of uh, support and recovery for this because um, that's very dangerous and, um, you know, unfortunate for people who are just doing their job. So uh, let's go ahead and dive into story uh, number two. Uh, this one is interesting um, as it came out in a report from a British newspaper on Thursday called The Sun that the final match for the uh, FIFA championship uh, could be in Arlington. Um, and so I know there's been a lot of Twitter news and a lot of people getting excited about the possibility of AT&T Stadium being the final um, matches for the World Cup in 2026. Uh, however... Um, FIFA has not officially confirmed anything, um, but they said in their Twitter post that story, um, they, they said that they're set to officially announce the schedule February 4th. It says that the other um, stadium competing for that position is MetLife in New York, New Jersey area. Um, so people are getting excited locally about this, which also leads to like it also seems relatively serious if you're also seeing like some transportation updates around it as well um regardless if we're getting the the final game being married to someone who is a huge soccer fan and is absolutely on top of knowing exactly what tickets are going to be available to him here locally i was like i heard they're coming the final is here and he's like no not not official yet <laughs> so he's definitely staying on top of that but i was like the first one to be sending around articles when the, that british newspaper article came out um, and so we'll just have to wait until the 4th, like you said, to get the official news. But that was followed up by an article that the Fort Worth Report did called Fort Worth Area Looks to Score Transit Wins Ahead of the 2026 FIFA World Cup. And that is where Fort Worth area agencies are getting the ball rolling on transit initiatives in preparation of the upcoming World Cup. Regional officials say that the North Central Texas Council of Governments has been in conversations since early 2023 to explore both traditional and novel modes of transportation to get visitors to AT&T Stadium to watch this big event. You know, this is something that we talk about every time we talk about going to Arlington mm -hmm. and the fact that they don't have public transportation there besides via, I have to say that because that's what they consider public transportation there in that city. Um, but they're looking at the upgrades to the Trinity Railway Express, which are actually underway right now. And I've had a couple of people reach out to me to say that some of the bathrooms on those trains are not in the best condition. And then people are constantly talking about Sunday service for the TRE. Mm -hmm. um, but those train sets are getting um, improved, and that is going to um, 
uh, improve the bathroom situation on those trains. And that's being led by Dallas area rapid transit DART, which is co it co-owns the TRE with Trinity Metro. And they're looking for some grant funding, federal grant funding, I think, to accomplish that. But I know that those improvements to those train sets are already underway. Um, they're also working with TxDOT um, to possibly look at um, the importance of bus lanes where they would have um, bus managed lanes on highways and stuff so we could get buses more in and out more quickly. Um, other investments considered include integrating transit passes with an app to facilitate purchase of passes, which enhance with enhanced bus service from Fort Worth, lengthening the service time, which could include Sunday service is my understanding. And hopefully if we do all of these improvements for one big soccer extravaganza, we can be like, hey, we should keep these in transit improvements <laughs> for the rest of us that live around here and could use them more regularly. Each game will be the size of a Super Bowl. I, I don't recall being around Arlington when we've hosted Super Bowls in the past. Well, the last one, there was a big ice storm in the middle of it, so I don't think it was quite as robust as people anticipated. Yeah. But there has been soccer, big soccer stuff here at 94, yeah. I think. Okay. There was a huge soccer thing here. My husband went to some games then, too. Yeah, I mean, if if a Cowboys game is you know a one, and then the Super Bowl is a five to a one, so I don't I don't know what that magnitude is. I've been in a Cowboys game and having to leave there, being very stressed out. So if that's just a normal Cowboys game, the Super Bowl is way grander than that. And, and so you're talking about that on a regular soccer? basis. You're talking about that on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, th there are those games on a regular basis, and then this soccer is people coming from all over the world. Yeah, who are used to a higher level of transit. Those, yeah, and we do not definitely don't want all these people driving in individual cars to get to this thing. Yeah, um, yeah, and that was the crazy thing too about just you know being in Tokyo for a week and seeing like being able to use the uh, train so easily. Um, what I also loved about it is that the train uh, pass also allowed you to use it for convenience stores, purchase or vending machines or, or taxis. Like it was almost like a cash card to use for all other kind of quick transactions. That's uh, Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. It was, it I was mean, really he, cool. They're talking about some kind of integration of passes to make it, but that's like an integration of things on steroids. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. And to see, I've never uh, participated or existed in a non-driving community or city before until Tokyo. And so that was kind of like to really be there. I mean, I've done it like touristy, but like to like be there for a week and just walking around or using the, the subway. Um, it is a way of living that makes sense. And it's it's just seems so far away or ever possible in a, in a country like America. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to make me sigh again, EJ. <laughs> I guess we just keep plugging away and trying to New England, New England and, you know, the East Coast seems to uh, have it down. Uh, I think we just keep incentivizing this other yeah, way yeah. of doing things and people poo poo incentivizing public transit, but they yeah. don't recognize that driving your car has been incentivized and yeah. propped up as well. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and move into story number three. Uh, story number three is just a reminder that time is running out to register the vote, um, register and vote deadline, uh, for the primary election, uh, which is in, uh, March 5th. The deadline to register the vote is February 5th. Um, Tarrant County residents can find the registration status, polling locations, and sample ballots by searching the name, date of birth, 
um, at uh, a website that we will pit into the description, um, which is Bear Sectarian County's website. Um, anything that you feel like going into this election cycle? Um, well, I think I we received our new uh, voter card registration cards in the mail oh, yes. the other day. I don't know if you got yours, but uh, that would be another indication about up, whether you're They ended you're up registered. at my neighbor's house, and luckily my neighbor brought them to me. That was not Tarrant County. That was the post office, oh, <laughs> probably, yes, 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 yes. delivering it to the wrong location. But yes, I'm glad yes. you know your neighbor well enough to have them just bring you your your mail yeah, that yeah, got yeah. misdelivered. So, yeah, we got ours in the mail the other day. Um and you can, like we said, check on that, and then there'll be um, there's ballots that are in English, Spanish, and Vietnamese, and you can print those out ahead of time and um, prepare yourself and go do your research and figure out who you should be voting for. Yeah, obviously this is a big uh, election year, not just in um, America but across the world. I saw an Economist article how half of the adults in the world are voting this year. Yeah, there's some major <laughs> yeah. elections across so, the across the world, as yeah. you said. So participate, you know, in your um, you know civic duty here, um, and as you can see, it impacts, uh, you know, the bond that will be coming up in later years, 2026. Yeah, yep. So I know you've been keeping an eye on that as well. Yep. That so, was one of the articles I sent you while you were in Japan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a comment in here about how Texas holds open primaries, which means that you don't have to be registered with a specific political party in order to vote in a primary. The winner of each of the party's primaries will compete in the, in against their political counterpart in the November 5th election. Voting in one party's primary election does not mean you have to vote for that party candidate in the general election. And we did notice that in this Fort Worth Report article, it says, however, and then a period instead of a comma. (laughs) So I think that what they were going to go on to say, but it is left out of this article, is that However, if you vote in one primary and there's a, there is a runoff in that primary, you can only vote in that primary that you originally voted in. You can't switch over and vote in the runoffs of the other primary. Yeah. So if you voted Democrat and then there's a runoff in the Republican, you can't go switch over there to do that. You have to do the runoff in, in the whatever party you thing. voted in originally. And so I know you're anti the idea of 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 Texans participating in the opposite uh, party. How do you I feel just about have that? never done that myself. <laughs> and, you know, as someone. Well, if you're going to run for politics, you probably people shouldn't. probably shouldn't do it. You then get you're, criticized yeah, greatly. Yeah. So if I'm you, screwed, by the way. Yeah, so. <laughs> you've just been bouncing back and forth and voting in whatever well, primary. Well, I definitely did it for the Carrie Moon run. So I was like, I, I did it for that one. Uh, I didn't know that it was a thing, but I mean, part of me probably has some amount of loyalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, as someone who's been on a ballot, not in a an election with um, partisan identification, yeah. but I understand the importance of supporting people that you want to support, mm-hmm. and to to go to all of the work to put your name on a ballot. You want people to show up and support people that they actually want in office, yeah. in my opinion, versus yeah. voting to try to stymie somebody else's. Yeah, yeah, I think that's because. When you look at the, um, like Texas being a, a red state, you sometimes feel as a Democrat that your vote doesn't go that far. So I feel like for me, if you, my number one priority this year is how can we prevent from Trump being president? And that to me is like, 
So it's like, will I go vote for one of the other Republican nominees who, if they're, if the trends show that, you know, a Nikki Haley, who you just told me Betsy Price went and spoke for, if, if, if Ron DeSantis, which two people I am not, I am not here for, but if my number one priority is that a second Trump run at presidency is the last thing I want, um, as a Texan, if those two options start having a chance I feel like my vo- my my vote could be worth more in that election. However, when you and I went through the election ballot this before I left, there was a lot of important races that are important to the Democrats that I do support. So th- then I can't so then I can't split. So it's kind of a I don't know if the value is really there to go do it anyways. Um so I'm not sure we'd have to year. go research if it has actually resulted in what somebody was trying to accomplish. But you would need like a whole group to do it. I think there's like maybe 0.1% of people who switch party. I don't know what that number is, but. I mean, I know some some attorneys who vote in Republican primaries because of the fact that most of the judges that are on the ballot, oftentimes there's not even a Democrat. But that's yeah. in the last couple of elections. I think there has been at least a slate of Democratic yeah. judge options so but yeah i I mean it's up to each individual but (laughs) as someone who then went and put my name on a ballot and even though it was a nonpartisan office had people asking what my affiliation was and was very and then going checking records to see first of all if you vote because that's always another interesting thing to look at when somebody decides to run for office and and then you go look at their history and they've never (laughs) voted for anything ever yeah 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 um okay so um Let's go ahead and move into the big story. So the big story is a Fort Worth Star-Telegram article that covers an event that happened uh, earlier this week. Tarrant County Sheriff Weyburn's fields questions about jail deaths during a heated forum. So the article focuses on Sheriff Weyburn being there, but it was a whole panel. And you sent me the flyer for the panel. It was a forum that was set up by County Commissioner Number 2, Alicia Simmons um, in Arlington, and it showed um, a panel that included Reverend Catherine Godby of the Justice Network of Tarrant County, Pamela Young of United Fort Worth, Magistrate Judge Tamala Ray, and Criminal Court Judge Deborah Nicombe, and the court's administrator, Greg Stugat. Um, and then there was a woman on on zoom Zoom, who participated and she was like the texas jail project yeah jail project um which she she was uh dynamo yeah she had a lot of information about county jails across the entire state of texas in all 200 and whatever counties that we have and i think why we're making this the main story is because this is actually um me and Anne both went to the event and the reason why we went to the event is because I mean, one, like this is to me when I I saw United Fort Worth having the opportunity to be on the same panel as Bill Wayborn plus Elisa Simmons, who is currently the heartbeat and logic of the ca- county leadership. This to me seemed like there's a lot of things we need to talk about and discuss from, you know, deaths and jails to um, voting fraud and participation to just like what it means to. Uh, yeah alleged voting fraud and so all the things were just seemed really exciting and to me i was like man this looks like an all-star panel to part like to do and i want to make sure people show up so we decided to go yeah it was in arlington so we had to drive (laughs) we should have carpooled ej we were both there we didn't we went in two separate cars um 
so yeah, we we did attend that, and I there were some other elected officials in the room. Um, Chris Turner, who represents um, down, the Arlington area down in Austin, was there, and then there was a gentleman who's running for the sheriff's office against um, yeah Wayburn. against Wayburn in the upcoming election in November. Uh, that was where there as well. I'm not sure if there were any other electeds in the room. There was a former Arlington City Councilman that I am familiar with who was there who's not in office anymore. And there was a gentleman from uh, a school board president. Yep. And uh, the Texas Jail po- um, Project um, co-founder is Krishna Vinnie Gundu. Um, and she was she was dynamo. Uh, I, I think the big takeaway for me of why we wanted to talk about this is – I don't know what statistics you remember or feelings you remember, but first off the bat, I mean, uh, Bill Wayburn showed up late, which I'm not saying was on purpose, but he walked by us and just the, just the stature and size, all black uniform, black hat. I was like, it feels like Darth Vader just walked by and I'm sorry, but watching that guy, he looks like the kid who, when we all watch superhero, superhero movies, he wanted to be the villain. Like he just gives that aura and energy. And so one, that was like the overall, like, man, coming back to like, this is my, I've have, I've been in Return the States. from Japan. Yeah. And, and which one of my, uh, one of my, um, wife's like aunts, her job is to teach English to incoming immigrants to Japan, which I was like, I don't even think that job exists. In America, but we won't even talk about it. But it's just like people being very thoughtful. Teaching Japanese to incoming yeah, immigrants. Yeah, immigrants so they can assimilate and be viable yeah. you know, participants to the economy. So I was like, man, you know, I don't know if I'm do in education. I'm like, I don't even know if we do that in America. Anyways, so then Bill Wayborn shows up and he shows up late. And uh, I mean, one, kudos for like, I was like, we were both deciding to go because we were like, there's no way he's coming to something like this. And... Um, I thought it started out hot, but you're a much more panelist experience and you have all the time on city council. You thought it was a not too hot. Yeah, they, uh, take I mean, they event. describe it in the article um, headline as heated. And the the two panelists that spoke first had some pretty severe criticisms of the jail and of the sheriff. And so I was kind of waiting for to see if he was going to start responding in a very defensive um, kind of back and forth way. And I didn't think that he did. I think he kind of stuck to his talking points and um, the way he sees things and some explanation, but not like a tit for tat explanation um, in a really defensive way. Um, so I thought that was helpful. Now, it, they they did, I think, disagree as to whether there's elements of these deaths that are occurring in jails that could be addressed by how things are run. And he was pointing to COVID and drug deaths, which basically is things out of the control maybe of how the jail is run. But then some other people brought up some programs that they are proposing to try to improve things that haven't been funded yet. And so those, and then some other people brought up the fact that, the sheriff has been involved in some discussions about voter fraud and what was the other topic? Um, well, you also had the public, um, the uh, the for-profit jail that right. gets $40 million of American Rescue Plan money. Yeah. Um, and so there was, a, 
I think it was Chris Turner who indicated that he thought there was a little bit of mission slip. And so if you're focusing on these things that are not even part of your constitutional duties, yeah. is that extra time you could be spending on improving these other things? Yeah. Um, so the fentanyl, you know, increases in fentanyl overdoses and that sort of thing, it made me think a little bit about, because a lot of the panel or several of the panel members are part of groups that are not experts in these things. They've just taken on these um, subjects because they feel passionately about it. So the justice group um, that Broadway Baptist Church has got has been very involved in. Um, it reminded me of in 2014, there was an organization called OD Aid that helped um, with folks that have addiction to make sure that they're not dying because of the tools that they're using that cause them to, you know, o- overdose. And they were distributing Narcan and teaching people how to use Narcan. And it that just reminded me of the fact that governmental organizations are looking to churches and nonprofits to be the safety net in some of these things. And I don't know if that is sustainable. I mean, because that ODA group was started by a really passionate group of people who did some awesome work for a a lengthy period of time. But as far as I know, all of those people have left the city of Fort Worth. And if you go to their Facebook page now, it says permanently closed. So um, when somebody brought up that that is something that we need to address in Fort Worth at a city council presentation at the work session last week, um, I think it was Councilwoman Beck was asking the police chief about some of these kind of things. And I was remembering that ODA group and they were saying, yes, we're working at doing some of that stuff as well, but I haven't seen kind of a replacement for that. And, oh, the other um, item that the sheriff's office has been focused on is um, border issues so the um we were like the only like north texas um county participating in border like ice kind of like some type of thing yeah there's a number and i'm looking it up well while you look that up i know uh patrick moses is the democrat who's running for sheriff uh and his quote was that you mentioned to us sheriff that you don't chase conspiracy theories but sir, a part of a great, you are a part of a great conspiracy, and that is the conspiracy is your role while neglecting people who are dying in the jail. You are a part of a great conspiracy when there's no documented evidence of electric election fraud in Tarrant County. And then that's when Chris Turner also kind of jumped in and talked about that. Yeah, he brought up that um, if he he wonders if there's a little bit of mission creep um, because the sheriff's office participates in the. 287G, which allows the department to partner with Immigration and Customs Enforcement and the um, to and the ele- election task force as well, and feels that those are distractions from the core mission of running the jail. Especially when, like, I think the big why this is the big story, and if you're listening to this while doing multiple other things, is um, you know, Wayborn has been our our sheriff for seven years and has 60 total deaths. Um, uh, the guy before him, Anderson, uh, had 61 deaths over 16 years. And I think that's the, the rate of which, and now, uh, Sheriff Wayborn kind of said, oh, but the population is growing, but it's not doubled since that time. And so just, you got a sheriff who has a much higher rate of deaths plus being distracted with, um, uh, extremism topics like voter fraud and you know immigration uh, which aren't roles of his constitutional duty like keeping inmates safe 
Um, and he's responsible of, you know, 32% of the general fund budget is on uh, police in Tarrant County uh, and our, and our, and our quote unquote safety. And yet um, to have that kind of funds, to have that kind of weight um, and to have a double rate of deaths, um, just as the reason why there was a hundred plus people at this panel and all walks of life from uh, Christian organizations to progressive organizations to uh, the media. I mean, it was, it was a big event and um, it, it, it was well done. Yeah. And some, one of the other things that was brought up, I think, Pamela Young brought it up that some of the work that they're doing is on trying to help people get bail to get out of jail because of the high number of people who are awaiting trial in jail because it's a cash bail system. And if you don't have the money to get out, then you're there awaiting trial. And so if you're overcrowded to the point where you're having to pay millions of dollars to a private jail company, then maybe we try to figure out how to not have so many people in jail in the first place. And so her point was, you know, we as an organization are raising money to try to help people pay bail to get out so that they're not in jail awaiting trial for low, um, you know, nonviolent offenses. And the story that one of the people told was that somebody was in jail for like over 50 days for a $25 bail. And the point was made that pretty much anybody in that room could have paid a $25 bail. But this was probably someone who was experiencing homelessness and had been put in jail for a trespass and didn't have $25 to get out of jail. Um, There was a lot of, of, of important data that I was trying to jot and, and, and run down and, and part of my knock on the stories that were reported and it's, I'm excited. I read all three of the star telegram KRAs and everyone who was there's stories. It was all focused around Wayborn and the, and the candidates running, uh, or, or, or Chris Turner. It wasn't, I thought all the other, uh, panelists actually provided a lot of strong data that I feel like the common person needs to know. And I wish I would have done a better reporting, but there was around, what was it, over 50% of jails are pre-trial people? Was that how high it was? I would have to go back and look at the number. Yeah, you know but, me. I always want to yeah. be accurate when I say a yeah, number yeah. about those but, kind of things. But, but it, it was, was crazy. That I mean, I know it is kind of clickbait to talk about people dying in jail, and that yeah, is yeah. a tragic thing. Yeah, yeah. But I think overall, this story about the number of people who are just in jail because of economic inability mm-hmm. to pay bail clearly shows that those who have the wherewithal to get themselves out of jail don't have to be housed for they pointed out it was like $85 a day to keep that person in jail who was in jail for a $25 bail. Yeah. So the the Tarrant County is paying $85 a day to have someone in jail awaiting trial. And 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 the other here's one I got I did write down that 91% of county jails um ship their prisoners out of county due to capacity. So that was the the Krishna lady said um, um, when she was going first. She reported first. So I, I have like 40 bullets that I won't go through, but I was just taking notes on, on all that. But when you think about that, those for-profit, those for-profit uh, prisons, they're getting like 20% of the overall budget. You know, you're giving them $20 million, 10%. If you're getting $200 million as a, as a, as a, as a office and that 10% of it's going to house people in a, in Garza, um, uh, and that and that that just shows you how expensive that contract is, and you keep renewing it, and so it's just a lot of like dark. I feel like money as well in there. Do they really want to um, get those numbers down? Um, I don't know. There was just a lot of that. What I also saw um, in there was, I you knew this, but I thought it was interesting that Tarrant County has no public defenders. 
and the wheel system. Yeah. Is I know a no- few attorneys that are on that wheel. <laughs> so, yes. And so what is, is that normal or is that, is that, is that like, what's, how do you feel about that? That's okay. I don't know. I mean, there's people who go into being, I would assume that the attorneys that put themselves on, on the wheel are well vetted and are people who do a good job publicly defending the public and doing that public defender role. I don't know if it's more expensive or less expensive. That would be something to look into, mm-hmm. you know, if we're being good fiduciaries of taxpayer dollars. Um, so I don't know. That would be an interesting thing to look into further about how well people are represented in that form, if it's better the other way, um, what the cost is, all of those things would be questions. But if we are an outlier in that respect, you would want some explanation for why that's a better way to do it. Some of the stats that he kind of shared was, I mean, he, he really focused on like fatherless high school education and narcotics are, 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 are 90% of the people who show up in, in jail. Uh, he also talked about how narcotics, um, the value of the narcotics that they have collected um, has gone up from $2023 million to 2022, $35 million. When Chris Turner did ask him, what's the cause of your double rate of deaths in your, in your, in your care, he did blame narcotics um, as, 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 as the reason um, of, of the issue. But well, and the other topic that came up um, was mental health and the fact that many of the people who end up in jail are suffering some from some type of mental health disorder. And there is a whole diversion um, that has been put in place. And when they first opened up that diversion center, it wasn't being utilized. And so they spoke to that fact. And then they spoke to the fact that they've increased that utilization. But I think there's like 40 beds in the in the diversion. And then there were a couple of stories of in instances where people were not diverted. And so I found the whole discussion with the magistrate and how that happens interesting. Um, And one of the things that they pointed out is that that magistrate um, thing happens completely virtual. Those magistrate judges are zooming in to do that. And I think they were proud of the fact that they have reduced the backlog during COVID because they were able to continue doing that virtually. But one person asked a question about an individual who was not diverted and asked the question, how could a person that was that mentally um, disturbed or impaired have not been diverted? And my question was, what does the magistrate who is zooming in see of the folks that are in the room? Do they only see the person that they're determining whether they get deferred or... um, whether they go to jail when they're speaking or do they get to see them through the entire process? Because I think if you were in the room and you were able to witness the individual through the whole process, you would have more information as to whether or not this might be a mental health crisis that would not be remedied by incarcerating the person or keeping the person in jail. And, you know, the sheriff pointed out that the jails are, quote unquote, the largest mental health providers, but several of the panel members took issue with that and said, but they're not providing mental health yeah. um, support and answers. And so while a lot of people with mental health issues end up in jail, those issues are not being addressed in a in a manner that is conducive to finding a solution. All in all, uh there was a lot shared. Um, I'm going to go ahead and find the actual live of the panel. Yeah, I actually I, think just watching the whole thing would be good. Even if you just watch the front, uh, like TED Talks almost, of the panelists before. Introducing Wayborn, themselves. I thought that was just really great. Um, but Yeah, somebody approached me this week asking, had they saw me in a picture, I guess, 
then said, oh, I saw that you attended. What did you think? And I shared with them my thoughts, but also shared with them that Commissioner Simmons had live streamed it so it should be available on her um, Facebook. And that's the big kudos I want to talk like to me. I was inspired by this because I think Elisa Simmons is trying to do the real work that I think, um, you know, progressive or, uh, you know, just kind of the the youth want to see or the uh, the Democrats want to see out of, um, you know, a post um, criminal punishment kind of system where, you know, Wayborn was calling these people prisoners, yet they haven't even been convicted for anything. When the majority of the people in your jail haven't even been convicted and you're calling them prisoners, it's already set in the wrong tone. And I think just the tone of the business of prisons when the majority of the people in there are not even guilty of anything. And then the amount of people with mental health uh, needs. uh, It just showed me that it was an experience for me to see the toxicity of why we need to fund things like United Fort Worth and other um, people fighting to get this changed. Um, I thought it was a big win for United Fort Worth for Pamela Young and that team. They did a great job um, because, you know, when you have a legit leader who backs the values of things you say, and 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 I think Elisa Simmons is someone who's aligned with that kind of work that that their organization, it shows you the power where you actually get your ideas and views in the same room. And I just think to see Pamela Young and the other organizations there and kudos to the sheriff for showing up to it. Uh, But that kind of room to be created and curated had to be really hard, but it was really meaningful. And so we just recommend that you watch it and get more involved in this in this uh, um, kind of conversation. Uh, so let's go ahead and move into wins and losses. Um, wins and losses is basically we start with a loss and end with the wins. The episode could end on a high note. Uh, we got pretty comprehensive wins and losses today uh, due to the size of the stories that were going on since our last episode. Um, so you want to jump in? Sure. So we're talking about losses first so that we can end on a win. And I read an article in D Magazine that asked the question, how long before we can ride a bullet train to Fort Worth? <laughs> I'm sure no one is surprised that my my win or loss or discussion that I always don't pass up an opportunity to talk about public transportation. Um, but in this, again, it doesn't have to be a loss. But my concern is that they are discussing the fact that there is some uh, the alignment of the the bullet train that they're proposing between Dallas and Fort Worth when it gets into Dallas is um, above ground, whereas in Arlington and in Fort Worth, it's proposed to be below ground. And there are the only part of the alignment that still requires some ac- um, acquiring private land is on the Dallas side. And there are some conflicting opinions about how this is handled. And my the loss would be if the region can't come to an agreement um, and support something that is, you know, for the greater good because of individual desires to, you know, for higher profits or to not have um, that configuration impact their individual properties. Um And so I hope that they can work this out. It appears that the North Central Texas Council of Governments is trying to review every possible thing so that they are not leaving it unexplored as to what the answer could be. Um, But I just hope that it doesn't derail (laughs) high-speed rail between Dallas and Fort Worth. 
Awesome. Yeah, I, 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 that would be so cool to, to be able to really have that. Um, and I then I, what gets me excited about Fort Worth is the future to see where it is. Um, I, I, I see the investments being made uh, and just the tide changing. Um, so things like this is always exciting. Um, my loss, um, and it's really, I wanted to talk about this space because I just have an overall, um, even though I wasn't reading about local news, I still was reading about national news, uh, economics, and just like consumer index data, GDP growth data, stuff that I just nerd out about and love, which also, um, so my loss comes to Fort Worth always doing panels, either if it's education panel, if it's a tourism panel, if it's a commercial real estate panel, um, touting their portfolio and at the end of the day i think the losses at fort worth and all cities need more panels and symposiums that are objective where the people on the panel are one experts with data and also not subjectively tied to the outcome of what is being said they're just saying the honest truth and so we have a commercial real estate kind of symposium coming up january 25th which i am attending which and is attending and uh, it's at Texas Christian University. I recommend you attend if it's something you're interested in. There is a cost to it. Oh, there is a cost to it. Uh, do you know what the cost is? I would have to look it up to and, be totally and, sure. And, and, you know, just doesn't even know because she got to like I that. I already bought my tickets. <laughs> so, uh, but anyways, um, right off the bat, obviously, um, I've, I've heard, I've had this poster sent to me by other entrepreneurs, black and brown, uh, you know, small business investors and real estate people of the lack of diversity uh, ethnically or nas- uh, nationalities on the, on the panels. But at the end of the day, what I really want to talk about in this loss is that it's a loss that it's going to be a loss for Fort Worth if we don't give up the old ideas of commercial real estate and that we all want to work in offices. Fort Worth has an opportunity to become the work from home epicenter of America and teaching people how to welcome and support people who work from home. Because if you look at Fort Worth's data and Dallas's data, which most people come here to do business elsewhere. And the reason why they live here is because of the amazing DFW airport that allows them to get to their work while also getting the amenities of having their own personal home. And so when you look at the data here is we are growing uh, Dallas, uh, Dallas Metro was the uh, number one Metro when it comes to, um, um, to building and permitting contracts. Texas was um, Texas. The gap is so large that Dallas, Houston and Austin permitted more units than the entire New York state. Dallas alone was 80% of what New York did. Um, so we're building construction um, job growth. Uh, we're also exceeding at, 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 at a high level. Uh, when you look at um, GD by GD growth, GDP growth by County, from from 2019 to 2022, um, Dallas led the nation. Okay, and so you can read this. This is a pretty uh, uh, um, deep article that I'm referencing. Um, so uh, we have we have growth, but also we've also became Dallas was seen as the most expensive growth in that time in a sense of city cost. And uh, here's where I, I think the data is really important, and you'll see this uh, data here as well, is that. That in 2023, um, for the first time, we have a full comprehensive year of telework data. That means this is the first, 2023 is our first data where we have people working from home for an entire year. And what it showed is that about 10% of workers were working fully remote. 
and another 9.4% splitting between home and, um, and, and another workplace. So that means one in five person is working from home or sometimes working from home. Um, and office demand shows no signal of returning to pre-pandemic levels. While the number of full-time remote employees has dwindled, hybrid workplace uh, is here to stay. 62% of U.S. businesses uh, allowed allowed people to work from home, which is up from 51% at the beginning of the year. Here's my last big piece here on work from home. Of the 10 major cities, Castle Systems, which tracks security card swipes, meaning people swipe it into their offices, of the top 10 biggest cities, the average office attendance was about half of its pre-pandemic levels. Another source had it between 60 and a 65% range. Now, in the article that Bob Francis wrote in the Fort Worth Report about the upcoming panel on January 25th, which Ann is attending, uh, we the the article showed, reported by JLL, that Fort Worth downtown ended the year with a 12.3 vacancy rate. Well, the U.S. office vacancy rate stands at 13.6, up from 9.4% at the end of 2019. So we definitely rise and we're not that off from the national vacancy rate. Uh, so I don't know why, uh, he, you know, he kind of said that that was better than most. Um, and so all of this is just to say is that we are in serious, uh, trouble. If we think that, um, hearing a bunch of people on LinkedIn who work for real estate companies or work for their dad, real estate companies talking about touting that people are coming back to offices. Uh, we have an opportunity to go from a work from home epicenter because people are moving here because of the affordable housing, the, because of the houses that we're creating faster than other places in the country. And so they're not coming here to go work in your offices. And so we have to start thinking differently on what that looks like. I think, you know, we talked about this a little bit before, and I was saying about the whole concern that if the tax base is so heavily on residential, which we're building a lot of, that that becomes burdensome to our residential taxpayers. But it is true that a lot of people live in Fort Worth and work elsewhere. And this trend of working from home that you've also brought up will lead us to maybe needing to look at a different way to support all the things that we need to support and not think that we're going to be able to flip the tax rate to the commercial side. Um, And that you could benefit from the fact that a lot of people live in Fort Worth by bringing other amenities to them. So I work from home quite a bit, and I have a office that I am can go to when I want to. But even in that office, it's not full of other people that I'm able to collaborate with, and I miss that collaboration piece. But there are ways to bring people together to collaborate. And so I think, like you said, it is a it is a new way of doing things where you have people working from home but also provide opportunities for them to collaborate. Does that have to be in a traditional office? It doesn't. It can be in a co-working space like we record this podcast in a a workspace that has a flexible model that different people use it for different things. There's people out there recording and all wearing black and doing different interesting things in this co-working space. And I think that those are things that we could bring to the community where people – if we develop in a way that brings the things that people need to live, work, and play – even if they're working from home, so like the grocery store is close by, the other their doctor's office are available close by, those are ways that we could improve and benefit from people still working from home. Yeah, I, there's a lot we can discuss around the downtown, like what to do with that too, with, uh, you know, I feel like this is an opportunity to make extremely affordable living. 
Like, because if you take all the office spaces that are vacant and then turn them into more living, that means supplies up, demand goes down. And now people who are living at home with mom or dad and stuck, but now can go move to your downtown because you're finally providing an affordable place to live. And you've got a bunch of young people living downtown. I know we've already done a lot of investments for older people to move, or people with money to move downtown, but you want young people be combusting. You have Texas A&M down there. Um, this, you know, there should be a lot of, of, of opportunity here uh, to do something like that. And like you said, I mean, our company, we have our employees get uh, uh, we work or like co-working uh, allowance. So if they want to uh, get a co-working spot, we will buy their co-working fee so that we don't have to have an office. Right. And one of the articles that we sent around or that I sent to you while you were in Japan that we didn't <laughs> get to talk about was a change that the city of Fort Worth has made recently in their affordable housing um, requirement that in the past, developers of multifamily who avail themselves of tax breaks that the city provides or um, would pay into a fund that to build affordable housing somewhere else but not include those units in their own development. And the city has been very much on a path to have a mix of incomes throughout communities and not have concentrations of poverty or concentrations of lower affordable housing in one place. And one of the things that they're going to start doing is requiring that those units be included in developments. And then that way, wherever developments are built, there's an affordable component to them. So I think that is one way to move us in that direction as well. Well. Yep. I love it. And I mean, we, we got a lot to see in this, Mark. Obviously, you're going to go to the panel. I'm interested to hear your feedback once you go and hear all that uh, happens uh, from it. I'll try to take notes. Cool. Let's move into wins. So my win is a hire that the city of Fort Worth made recently. Um, I think we've talked a little bit about the new Fort Worth lab, which actually has the word planning in it. So I was encouraged to see that because I felt like there has been a little bit of a step away from proactive planning at the city. Um, But the city of Fort Worth has recently hired a planning leader. Um, and this is to head up the new Fort Worth Lab, which is a newly reimagined budget department, but it has a planning component to it. Um, Christiana Simmons was hired to lead the new department in December, and her title is Chief Transformation Officer. The unique title reflects an inflection point in the city's approach to planning, Simmons said. She will focus on shepherding the city into a more data-driven collective approach on planning. So I think that this could be a win. Um, She's got some experience in the budget office for the city of Fort Worth and in the police department before working um, for Sundance Square. She returned to work for for the city of Fort Worth after city manager Cook announced the creation of Fort Worth Lab and aims to use data and public input to inform short and long range planning. Um, the city is basically at a inflection point, as she indicated in this article, because we're about to embark upon a comprehensive plan, which is something that we haven't done in three decades. Wow. And, um, you know, in, in, in its entirety, we have touched on comprehensive planning yearly over the three decades, but we have not done one in its entirety. Um, and I think I also sent you an article about the city of Dallas and some situations that they're running into with trying to work on a comprehensive plan. And I think the city of Fort Worth has a lot of work to do. But one of the things she said was listening to the community and making sure that we are held accountable to be delivering what it is that we say we're going to deliver. And I think a lot of that is highlights the importance of engagement 
And so, you know, as someone who's very engaged in the community and constantly encouraging other people to be engaged and looking for ways for people to participate if they can't do it in the traditional attend a meeting or, you know, whatever is being offered, um, I think this is an opportunity for folks to have a say in their community and be involved. So I'm looking forward to Getting to know have her you, better. And have you department. met her yet? I have not met her. Cool. We're friends on some social media things. We are connected maybe, on maybe LinkedIn. Maybe we can have some pod guests I can action. talk to her about that. Yeah, we can make it happen. Uh, talk about the inflection point because you know we're about that. Um, all righty. So my loss, oh, my win, we're on wins, is uh, January 14th, Emily Wolf, Fort Worth Report. Um, shout out to all Star Telegram, Fort Worth Report, everyone who's produce these articles that we can talk about. Thank you for your hard work. Uh, but this article is about uh, Fort Worth Mayor Maddie Parker um, talking and having a discussion with the Fort Worth Report and talking about how um, she decries partisan extremism and it's unhealthy for our country. Uh, I think that's a win, a positive. Obviously, I'm I'm secretly a big fan of Maddie in the sense of she could really help bring the sanity of Texas back if there was more people like her on the Republican uh, leadership. Um, however, a part of this is interesting because I think a part of her talking about how we need to be less extreme on partisan politics is it also allows her to stay elected. You saw what happened to Betsy Price. Um, she got attacked to extremism um, and that impacted her. I think that if or and there's talks that she may not if she runs again. Um, she also quoted math in here, and that's how math works is you win an election by getting the most votes. There could be math going on in her head where she sees that um, her next election, she may not win because of extreme uh, extremism. And so I, I think there's just a lot here showing that, yes, this is a good call um, by her to stand up and publicly say that um, this kind of, crazy extremism is not okay here in Tarrant County and shouldn't be in the country uh, and in Fort Worth. Uh, but it's also good for her um, because uh, it keeps her safe from anything happening to her, um, I guess, power here locally. My loss in it would be that my recommendation is that she gets her, the Mike Berries, the Betsy's, the everyone else who's a Republican at heart, but has a constructive mind to have discourse and to think and to realize that um, we are all in this together. I heard a Mike Berry interview on a podcast the other day. I will put it in the show notes. And he talked about how his grandfather said, I'm 80% Republican and, but 20%, I realize what Democrats are saying. And I, you know, and that made him realize that you have to be able to think for yourself and see other sides. And I think there needs to be an entire initiative around the kind of establishment uh, Republican elites to uh, this throw this extremism on the right um, to save themselves uh, and also save all of us from people like Tim O'Hare and anyone else who could get elected. So even though EJ didn't miss doing the podcast on his fabulous journey to Japan, I'm glad that we're back and I'm looking forward to us communicating regularly <laughs> in the weeks to come. So that is a wrap of the 817 podcast, beautiful people. We uh, did a lot in a little bit of time. We have interviews coming up, exciting interviews. Some of our favorite people we like to interview are coming up. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, please uh, share, uh, subscribe, tell other friends about this. Um, one of our goals should be to be more civically engaged as Fort Worthians in 2024, especially with a big election year. Take care. Double tap. Maddie, control your life.
double tap.